I want to ask you to think with me just a little bit about the things that we value the most, the things that we love the most. What are those things? If you were going to make a mental list, I'm asking you to do that. Uh, the things that really stand out in your life that you prize, cherish, love the most. Typically, they're things like our health, our families, sometimes travel, our homes, education, social status. Uh, these, are, these are ordinary things. They're good things. Um, you might have other things on your list, but we gravitate toward those things that we value. I value family. I value safety, security. I value education. I value what people think about me. Since vacation is fresh on my mind, and so many of you have said, how was your vacation? And I'm thankful you did, and I said it was great, it was extraordinary. Um, I think vacation reflects what we value, right? That's a good example of, if I have time off, I want to do what I like to do. So if you have time off, your vacation probably, if you have the freedom to do that, reflects the things that you value. Uh, all seven of us got in our car, vehicle, and drove, I think, probably 55 hours total. Uh, seven big personalities, and we didn't kill each other, so I, I value that. <laughs> we, we, we drove to Southern California, and we went there because I value the, the ocean, the sea, the beach, unplugging, walking instead of driving once we get there. I value my family, my wife Molly, my daughters, my sons, time with them. I value the food we eat, the food we make, the meals together. Uh, I was able to ride my bicycle almost every day. I value that. So let's see, family, food, let's make all Fs, fitness, um, What's an F word for ocean? I don't, I don't know. Um, someone text me quick. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. There you go. That's good. Those are things I, I, I value. All of those things have one thing in common. What they have in common is they're things you can see. The challenging thing for us as Christians and what I want to challenge you with today is we really, while we can value those things, good gifts from God, I'm not downplaying it at all, we can value those things. As Christians, we're all about the art, if you will, of valuing the invisible. And that's hard. This church is in the business, if you will, trying to get you and trying to get me to value Above all other things, what we can't even see. That's difficult. That's challenging. We're going to do it together. We're going to learn. We're going to pursue it. It's a pilgrimage. That's why I called it an art. Valuing what we cannot see. What we can't polish in our garage, men. <laughs> what we can't touch. What we, what we can't see. And the Bible says this, you can just listen and then I'll ask you to turn there. The Bible says this, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary or passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We are all about trying to and trying to help others see and value and cherish the invisible. Because the invisible 
will last forever if we're talking about eternal life in Christ. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. So if you do have a Bible, I'll ask you to join me in turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 and following is a great, great text in helping us Again, I'm going to call it on our pilgrimage of, of living in this life, in this world, in the here and now. The stuff we see in the here and now is going to go away. Those things that we value, hopefully we value with a lowercase v because they're not of ultimate value. And I know this, you, you, will, you will have a, a messed up life. You, you, you'll, you'll, let me put it in the positive. To the degree that you can get this straight in your head, and we're going to work on it next week, and the 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 next week, that's what we do. To the degree that you can, you can see this perspective and have this perspective and understand that there's something to value above all other things, and it's invisible, and we'll talk about how to do that, you'll have a better life. You don't have to be anxiety-stricken. You don't, you don't have to be a worry wart. You don't have to be all consumed with every circumstance because a lot of circumstances are bad. You, 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 can, you can see straight and honor Christ. And this church can have a true Christian kind of ministry if we can value above all other things what we can't see. And that would be eternal life in Christ. So let's go ahead, if you will, uh, and let's go ahead and read the entire text and then we'll see how far we can get at looking at the details. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 to 18. And the text I read just a little while ago was 18. Uh, it's kind of the punchline, but there's a build-up to the punchline. So look with me, if you would, there, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all, comp beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." What a prize of a perspective for us, for you as an individual and for us as a church. It's the perspective we, we've, we've got we've to have and then we're going to lose it because this is hard and then we're going to have to come back to it and we're going to have to come back to it and have to come back to it. We're in the business, if you will, of the invisible. 
Now for a second pass of our passage. And I so want to get it all done today, but we probably won't. And if the sermon's good, we probably won't because we're going to get into some good juicy kind of stuff. So we'll see how that goes. Can't wait for this. I kind of want to just wait. Let's just savor it. I wanted to take a deep breath right now, but it smells like grass in here, so. Doesn't it? I walked in and I said, smells like grass. Somebody said, which kind? I said, the kind outside. But they caught, and then they cut the lawn yesterday. Thank you for doing that. And so it all comes in here. So it's amazing. How do we get off on that topic? Okay, it's just a great text. I, 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 and even as a pastor, I so badly want to preach this to my own heart and to you because I know how much it can help us. Perspective, 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 perspective. But we, Paul says in verse 7, but we have this treasure. And according to our earlier context, the treasure is the light of the gospel, the light of the good news of salvation in Christ. This treasure, it's more significant, more important. It's what everyone needs, even if they don't know they need it. That you can be reconciled to God freely because of the work of Jesus. That you can have your sins atoned for. That you can have Christ's perfect obedience credited to you so that God will then justify you as if you were perfect and accept you and and we could keep going on. But in chapter 3 and chapter 4, he's been talking about that. It's treasure. It's the most valuable thing ever. So we have this treasure, the light of the gospel. It'll last forever. And so therefore, we're going to say, so we're really something. That's kind of the, the feel of the text. So if we have the greatest treasure ever, we're awesome. We're special. We should be celebrities. No, we have this treasure. Notice the contrast in jars of clay. He's doing that on purpose. The whole thing is going to be contrast. In jars of clay, what he means is the ordinary. The ordinary storage containers, not gold, not silver, not bronze or something else. In the ordinary, everyday kind of stuff. He's not being denigrating and saying human beings beings aren't made in God's image or whatever like that. But by comparison, the treasure. And who are we? We're the ordinary jars of clay. Huh. Okay, to show, here's why, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. That's really great stuff. And he's speaking to the matter of when you promote and tell and preach and have a gospel ministry telling people the good news about Jesus, you can be forgiven, you can be reconciled, you can, you can be guaranteed resurrection, you can have Christ and all of His benefits. There's nothing more important than that. We have the treasure. But Jesus being great in all of His benefits doesn't equate with you being great, no matter who you are. And the Apostle Paul puts himself in the category. It it must be a big deal because we see this problem happening all the time. And Paul's dealing with this conflict because apparently he has these... these, The the Corinthian church is listening to preachers who are accusing him of not being authentic, genuine in his gospel preaching because he's not a celebrity. And he's not Mr. Big Shot. Look at me, aren't I awesome because I preach an awesome message. And they're saying, therefore, he's not the, the real thing. And the apostle Paul's saying... 
what they're saying about me is right. I am ordinary. And if you don't understand that, you don't understand that it's all about Christ and God's power. I love it. I love it. It's Him. It's Him. Probably as good a time as any to talk about about evangelical celebrities since it's about preachers. This relates to us, but it also relates to Paul, who's a preacher. Just think about, especially given the fact that even just recently we've seen major evangelical celebrities crash and burn. Major ones. I won't name them. I don't want to give them glory. And it's nothing new. And it's going to keep happening. Think about the irony of evangelical celebrity. The two words together. The treasure, Paul says. Clay pots. In one sense, I want to say there's no such thing as a legitimate evangelical celebrity. But there are. I've been a fanboy before of more than one of them. I'll confess my sins. But the longer I'm a Christian, the more I think... Some of them aren't going to crash and burn. But we have no business bowing down to them to begin with. Christ is the great one. And if someone is a great preacher, they're going to scold you for giving them honor. That would be inappropriate. Stop being my follower. Look to Him, look to Him, look to Him. The gospel is great because Jesus is great. This is, a good, this is a great quote. The gospel does not make us great. Even great preachers. Somebody gave... I have a prop today. Um, in my office, I have just a bunch of eclectic kind of weird things that I've collected from different countries or that people give me. Um, and this was pretty insulting. Um, somebody gave me this t-shirt. I won't say who, Jeff and Cheryl Roach. Um, so. It says expendable. Okay. I don't know if it was for my 20-year anniversary at OBC or what it was, but thanks a lot. Um, now, you all can laugh at that because it is laughable to begin with, but to the older crowd... I want to speak to the older crowd. I'm very missional, so I want to identify with you who are older. (laughs) The red shirts, right? Star Trek, the original Star Trek. You're watching Star Trek, the original ones, and you see characters you've never seen before at the beginning of the episode, and they're wearing the red shirts, not the gold shirts, not the blue shirts. They're wearing the red shirts, and you're like, that guy's going to (laughs) die. Right? I mean, it's just how it is. Expendable. Well, think think of your favorite preacher. I can think of my favorite preacher or preachers. And then think of them as wearing these shirts. Because every single one of them is a red shirt. Every single one of them. Even if they make it to the end without falling. It's insane for us to have evangelical celebrities. When the Apostle Paul says, treasure clay pot. Clay pot. So let's keep that in mind. Let's keep moving. We're never going to get done today, but we will quit eventually. We'll just have to do part two. 
Continuing on with the theme, we, verse 8, we, yes, even apostles, true apostles, we are afflicted in every way. How about that? That's not celebrity talk. That's not how celebrities talk. We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, being at a loss, being stressed out. It's an anxiety word. It's a worry word. That's not what celebrities do but not driven to despair. Persecuted, that's not what celebrities are. They they have fanboys and fangirls. Not persecuted, but not forsaken, he says. Struck down, again, not celebrity status, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Life to to others we're going to see. So my life is a life of suffering, the Apostle Paul says. My life is a life of hardship. My life is a life of all these things because I'm a true gospel preacher. And and many times when you're a true gospel preacher, there are people who are against you. There's conflict. So when when we see Paul the celebrity and, 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 you know, Paul says, smell my cologne. (laughs) You smell that? It's the smell of death. That sweet smell, that uneasy sweet smell the smell of a dead body because his life is a life of suffering and then they're ultimately going to kill him. Good perspective. He's trying to help the Corinthian church not be duped by the faker false apostles who say if you preach the true gospel you'll be healthy, wealthy, wise, successful with big contracts. See, that's not how this works. Life in the here and now is filled with all kinds of trouble. Unbelievers have all kinds of trouble in their life, right? And then believers have extra trouble in their life because we promote the gospel. Sometimes our lives are even worse as believers. How about verse 11? Look there. For for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. Association with Jesus Bring suffering. That's the norm of his life. That's his testimony. But notice it does say for Jesus' sake, and I think if we keep reading, we can see what he means in verse 11. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So I think 12 helps us to understand 11. Suffering, 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 because I'm promoting, 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 and people don't necessarily like it. But promoting, promoting, promoting also does lead to eternal life for some because they hear it and they believe. And he's saying that's the most important thing in the whole world, that what I'm looking ahead. And if that's the most important thing in the whole world, I'm willing to promote, 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 even if it means suffer, 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 because it leads to life for other people. So I know we're not all preachers here. None of us are apostles. But if we apply it to our Christian lives because we like to tell people the truth about Jesus, it doesn't always go well. But you're going to do it because you have the perspective of only one thing lasts forever and it's eternal life in Christ. So it might mean a rub for you, but it's worth doing it. We better keep moving. Let's go ahead and, and, and see that this is not anything new for Paul. He, he's going to connect to the past, to history. This is how believers have been acting for a long time. How about verse 13? I think you'll like it. Since we have the same spirit of faith 
according to what has been written, quote, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so also we speak. Quoting Psalm 116, verse 10, quoting David who's suffering. But God delivers. God saves. And so, I believe that God saves. I believe that God delivers, even though right now I'm suffering. So I can't help myself. I speak. And Paul says, I'm like David. I'm like other saints who've gone before me, who also have suffered. That should tell you something. I'm just in a long line of other believers. We believe God saves even though in the here and now world, it's a world of suffering because Christ hasn't returned yet and we haven't been resurrected yet. But I'm like David when I do this. I believe God saves. He raises the dead, so I talk. And I want to encourage you with the fact that Christians speak. Christians speak. You can't help it. Doesn't mean you're necessarily with the microphone, microphone. Doesn't necessarily mean you're on some preaching circuit. But when you, when you, you have eternal life given to you, you've been reconciled to God, you, you've come to know that if you believe in Jesus, you'll be rescued, you'll be forgiven, you'll be delivered, you'll have eternal life forever. Most important thing, even though you can't see it, you just can't help yourself in one way or another, in whatever setting it might be, you, you, you speak, you talk. It's normal, it's natural. If you, experiencing, if you experience something great, it's normal for you to talk about it. You've got to see this. You've got to taste this. You'll never imagine how awesome this looks. Well, we've experienced the greatest thing ever. And even if it means taking our licks from some, meaning being persecuted, I, just, I, just, I, I can't help it. I just have to talk. Christians speak. It's, it's normal to speak. I've, I've, I've believed, so I speak. Can't contain the joy is the idea. I love that. I think that should apply to us as a local congregation as well. We, we've come to know the gospel. What do you think we're going to talk about all the time? We're going to talk about the gospel. We've experienced the greatest thing ever that will last forever. So we're going to talk about that and boast in that and, and make that the most important thing because it is the most important thing. Why all of the speaking? I love, love, love verse 14. It answers the question, why all the speaking? Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. I love it. Why are we going to speak even if it's going to cost us? We're going to speak, and, and what I underlined and highlighted is knowing We know something. We have confidence in something. And knowing something that God raises the dead and He will raise us up with Him from the dead, all believers, knowing that we talk, we speak. And you might ask the question, how do we know this? Well, we know this because Jesus really became one of us. See, it's tied to history. He's not saying have faith in faith. He's not saying because we have faith in fiction. He's not calling for blind faith. We believe that God acts in time and space, and so we speak. And why do we speak? Knowing this. 
Jesus came to earth, eyewitnesses, virgin born, a virgin conceived, born a human being, one of us, lived a real life on planet earth like us, suffering life, perfect life, bodily, real, not a mirage, touched him, crucified, saw him crucified by death experts, real death, then real in time and space history, real with eyewitnesses, some were friends, some were foes, resurrected body. Oh, there's more. And he spoke. He, 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 he spoke and interpreted it. He explained this. Um, John 6, for example. I'm paraphrasing, but there's multiple texts in John chapter 6. It, 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 this is the promise. If you, if you believe in me, you'll be raised too. You'll, be, you'll, you'll have eternal life. So he explained how this works. This isn't just us trying to fancifully figure out how to interpret this. This is your interpretation. That's my interpretation. No, the one who was raised from the dead interpreted the whole thing. Having believed in him, the real Jesus, we speak. Why? Knowing that if we trust in him as he was raised from the dead, God will raise us from the dead. It doesn't get any better than that. In one sense, I want to say, I can't help you with any of your other problems. <laughs> but I can help you with this invisible problem. The one that will last forever. And by the way, we're trusting in what now is invisible to us, but wasn't always invisible because Jesus is the historic figure who was actually here and we could see him. I just wasn't there. This is good stuff. This is perspective changing. Because remember all that stuff Paul's going through? Beaten down, st- I'm, par- I'm using my, my synonyms now, anxiety, stress, worry, persecuted, afflicted, all of those things. It didn't take those things away, friends. In fact, it might have been the very thing that led to those things. Perspective. I'm still going to speak because I know that God who raised him from the dead will raise me from the dead. And I know that because Jesus himself said so. Ta-da! It's so good. But the the drift is to, to go a different direction. It was true in Corinth in the first century. It's true now. I think it'll always be true. We most value what we can see and we falsely associate what we can see with either God's blessings or God's cursings. And then we listen to faker preachers who tell us the exact opposite of what we should be thinking. He's going against the grain here. Paul's life, by the way, became worse, right? Afflicted in every way, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Paul didn't give what we we used to call a bragamony, right? When I first became a Christian, it was just the thing. You're going to go to a Christian meeting and somebody's going to give their testimony. We came to call it a bragamony, um, kind of poking fun because it would be, hi, I'm Pat, and um, I used to be a bad person. Um, I I used to have a lot of things wrong in my life and uh, all of these bad things, and I used to say bad words and uh, all this, and, and now I've come to believe in Jesus, and, and now I'm a good person. 
And now I don't do bad things anymore. And now all my problems are solved. And so you should believe in Jesus too because then you'll have a perfect life like me because I'm perfect and I'm a good person. And then we have a little altar call, right? Cue the music. I've been that guy before. Been there. And Paul sang like the exact opposite. <laughs> I used to have a great life. And then I believed in Jesus and now my life sucks. Right? And I still call myself chief of sinners, by the way, in other texts. The treasure is in Christ. And it lasts forever. And so he's promoting Christ. He's speaking the truth about Christ with knowing. Tied to history, not tied to his heart. This is really, really helpful. I speak because God raises the dead. Verse 15 says, For it is all for your sake. All of this gospel preaching isn't for selfish reasons, so I can have celebrity perks and fly first class. For it is all for your sake. I do this for you, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving, so it's good for them, right? Then keep going to the glory of God. That's the ultimate Not the glory of the preacher, but for the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Earlier, 4.1, he says, we don't lose heart because of the greatness of the ministry we have. I don't lose heart because what I'm doing leads to the glory of God. And by the way, if there is a God, there's nothing greater than the glory of God. And so if, if I can do something that glorifies God, there's nothing greater than that. So I don't lose heart, even though my life isn't so great. This is fantastic. 16 goes on to say, though our outer self is wasting away. That makes a lot of sense. I get that. Every time I look in the mirror, I see it. Maybe not every time. But we just went to a family reunion. We saw it in other people. (laughs) Right? And then we're not so dumb. We look in the mirror and go, yeah. And we're them. Gravity is against us, folks. Though our outer body is wasting away, and sometimes because of persecution, but also naturally, right? That makes total sense. Our inner life, after the comma, our inner, inner self, excuse me, is being renewed day by day. Is being renewed. First part's easy to understand. The second part, that's kind of, that, that really has my interest. Is being renewed. Present tense, so it's, this is ongoingly happening. This is a, 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 it doesn't stop. Is being renewed. It's passive, so it's something happening to us. How is it that, that my, my inner spiritual being, if you will, is ongoingly, constantly being renewed? So as, as the physical is wearing out, The spiritual is being renewed. There's progress happening in my life. How could that possibly be happening? And the answer, if we drop down to verse 18 ever so quickly, let's just do a preview. We answer that question in 18 as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. How do I experience constant spiritual renewal that's growing ever more, progression? We're looking to things that are eternal. And when you look to things that are eternal, by the way, that would be Christ and all of His benefits to you by faith. As you look to those things, there's transformation happening to you. Three eighteen puts it another way. I think it's essentially saying the same thing. 
we're beholding the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I think 3.18 is a great cross-reference to 4.18. As we look to the eternal, Christ and all of His benefits, your glorification, your new body, your no longer struggling with sin, Christ and all of His benefits for eternity, reconciled to God, experiencing that greatness, new life in Him. As you look to that, the invisible, which is hard, it's an art, we're doing it together. As you do that, there's a constant spiritual renewal happening. That's why we're going to talk about Jesus at Omaha Bible Church next week. That's why we're going to talk about Jesus the next week. That's why today we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. Do this in remembrance of me, okay? We're we're remembering Christ, His work on our behalf. And as we do that, there is a spiritual... that's, That's how God transforms lives. It's not divorced from Christ. It's actually in and through Christ. Only then could he possibly say this. For this light momentary affliction. Doesn't sound like it the way you said it earlier, but by comparison. 17 says, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Eternal weight of glory. It's going to last forever. Glory is associated with lots of things, but it's associated with resurrection. It's the grandest. It's the greatest. It's the, it's the apex. We're going to be glorified with Christ. It helps us with our perspective. Maybe, let me, I should say this. It, this does not take your, the perspective doesn't take your pain away. Paul doesn't say, it's all make-believe, it's just in your head. He talks about his real difficulties and his real pain. But he can label it momentary because it's not eternal. And he can label it light even though it's not because he's making a comparison. So what I want to do is get you and get me to continue to look to Christ and his greatness and his grandeur so that by comparison, the real hard stuff of life that we actually go through together by comparison, pales. Then he says in 18, I know we already went there, but let's do it again because it's the key perspective. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, or temporal, or wasting away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Unseen are eternal. Unseen are eternal. Christ and all of his benefits, eternal. But they are unseen to us right now. This is why this church exists, to try to help people to look to the invisible and the eternal. You might say, but what about me? I'm a visual learner. Unseen is eternal. And we can't accommodate you. By the way, when the church historically has worked at focusing on the visual, they've moved away from the true gospel. So we don't want to focus on the visual unless they are the visual aids (laughs) that God has given us and sanctified, like the Lord's Supper. Remembering Christ, His body, His shed blood, His life, His atoning sacrifice. Eternal, everlasting 
It's so weird to think that we could have more people here, we could have more quote-unquote converts, we could be far more successful if we focused on things other than this. But we would be like the faker apostles. So what we're going to do is we're going to keep focusing on things can't, people can't see. That's hard. That's why we're going to proclaim the Word of God, the truth about Jesus from His Word. It'll help us with perspective. It's what will matter forever and ever and ever and ever. But just know that the drift is there to go somewhere else. So we'll keep working on this. He's our focus today, tomorrow, and the next time, and the next time, and the next time. It's faith, not in faith, not faith in fiction, but faith in the one who is now invisible but was here, ascended and said he would return the same way he left. And so he said, do this as often as you eat, right? But he goes on to say, until I come again. And so let's pray and then let's do what he has asked us to do. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for a great encouraging text of scripture like this. Thank you for people like the Apostle Paul who we would say were absolutely great. Thank you for the fact that he calls himself a clay pot and certainly invites us to think the same way about ourselves. Help us to look to Christ. Help us to look to him and to not to look to ourselves. Help us to not proclaim ourselves or anyone else but to look to the one who is the author and perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful that he loves sinners like us. We are thankful that he said, if you come to me, I will absolutely, under no circumstance, cast away. And we are grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen.